0: You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, welcome to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I am Lydia Miller here with my dad, Pastor Jeff. We are in a series right now where we are taking a look at what the Bible says about different hot topics, whether in culture or uh, even in the church right now. And today we are looking at A topic that feels like it's almost been a hot topic in the church for forever.
1: A long time. A
0: long time. Today we are talking about the topic of speaking in tongues. And I said this on the last one, but there are certain phrases that are very churchy. And if you're not as familiar with the church or grew up in the church, it can feel like a different language. So give the people a definition of what it means when people refer to someone speaking in tongues.
1: Yeah, the word tongue in the Greek literally means language. So, you know, the idea was we were speaking in a language we don't know, but other people certainly do. So remember in Revelation, it talks about, you know, people are going to come from the four corners of the earth, Uh, people from every tribe and language and tongue, just simply how they speak. So so literally all of the different dialects in the world, tongue just refers to language. Mm
0: -hmm. So obviously this is prevalent in churches maybe today but where do we see this in scripture so in the time of Jesus when this is actually maybe taking place where specifically did we see it where did it kind of originate yeah we
1: don't see it much in the Gospels there's a couple of spots we especially see it at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when they come with fire and tongues and then they speak in languages that other people from different areas of the world actually begin to recognize uh, Paul, especially from 1 Corinthians 12 all the way to 14, especially chapter 14, kind of gives guidelines for the speaking in tongues and those kinds of things. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us the idea that you know all of the gifts are for edification of the body, and then he kind of gives some guidelines in chapter 14 as to what tongues are about. So, really, we see it a couple of places in the gospel. We see it especially in Acts chapter 2. We see it a couple other places in the book of Acts. But we really see direction being given in Acts or 1 Corinthians chapter 14 when Paul writes to the church in Corinth.
0: So who do we see speaking? I mean, we hear Paul talking about it. Who do we see speaking in tongues or referring to that? Do we see Jesus doing that anywhere in Scripture? Do we see the disciples? Where is that really seen?
1: Yeah, really there's nowhere in Scripture that we actually see Jesus speaking in tongues. In fact... In his baptism in Matthew chapter 3, when the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, you would expect at that point in time, if tongues is sort of something given to everybody who has the power of the Spirit of God, you would expect Jesus to speak in tongues. He does not. Uh, Often we'll see it in the New Testament with regards to the apostles. Certainly we see it outside of the apostles, but mainly with the apostles. I think it was in that day and age as sort of a revelatory nature to sort of reveal you know, who they were and the power and the authority they had in this world. Uh, And again, we're kind of moving into theological positions when we talk about that. Cessation position or continuation position, we can talk a little bit about that. But mainly we see it in the life of the apostles to kind of verify who they were and the power and the authority they had in this world. We see that in Acts chapter 2. We see that later on as well.
0: Would you say that would be what you would kind of define as its purpose, the purpose of speaking? If someone's like, okay, so what's the point? What's the purpose of someone speaking in tongues?
1: Yeah, I I want to stay real open on this issue. I really do. Even though it's a gift I don't possess, I'm just going to be honest with you about that. Um, I probably have a little bit different view. I'm a little bit more skeptical maybe than some people. But I really think that the whole reason that it was given was to sort of give the revelatory nature of who Christ was, miracles, signs, wonders, sort of those gifts of the Spirit were given to sort of further give evidence of the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the authority and the power the apostles had. I personally believe at the closing of the canon when we had Scripture, much of that ceased. Is it still existent today? It's possible. But I would probably side more with the cessation side That it's ceased since the closing of the canon, meaning the authority we have of the Word of God is really all that we need. And sometimes I get fearful that in these kind of gifts and signs, we actually begin to add to Scripture or value them as much as we do the Word of God. And uh, again, that's just not who we are as a church.
0: Because this is something that people have very differing viewpoints on. And I think it's clear, you know, when you come to Sunnybrook, it's not something that's a part of our services. Other churches, it is something that's a part of our service, or a part of their service. So what would you say the differing viewpoints on it would be? Yeah,
1: there's really two from a theological perspective. One would be the cessation view. That's, that's this idea that the gifts of the Spirit, certain of them, like the gift of tongues, the gift of miracles, those kinds of things, the gift of healing ceased at the closing of the canon. Meaning, they were done in the day and the nature of Jesus. I always talk about the miracles of Jesus were very different than what we would call miracles today. They were of a revelatory nature. They reveal more about the character of who God was or who Jesus was, just identifying him as God in this world. Signs for the apostles were also the very same way, and tongues, they were of a revelatory nature. I think since the closing of Scripture, that's the cessation point of view, is those things have stopped. Does God still do miraculous things? Absolutely. Does he still heal? Absolutely. But in a different way than he did in that first century time when he was trying to reveal who he was. The other theological position other people hold would just be this continualist, this idea that they came in Acts chapter 2 by the power of the Spirit of God and they still exist today. Signs and wonders and miracles and healings and tongues still exist. It started in that day and age, but it continues to exist to this very day. The concern I always have is this. It, it sometimes relegates people who don't have that gift to sort of second-class Christians, so to speak. And one of the things I think is I want people to recognize it's not sort of this evidence of the Spirit of God. It's pretty clear in Scripture that some, even in the early days of Jesus, were given this gift and some were not. So we get the Holy Spirit. I think all of the Holy Spirit that we're ever going to get at the moment we receive Christ as our Savior. So the evidence of that is not tongues. The evidence of that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience. Paul talks about it sort of the fruit of the Spirit comes out. That means the moment we receive Christ as a Savior, the Spirit of God is in us. So I often think people think, well, if you don't speak in tongues, then you must not have the Holy Spirit, which to me would mean then you must not be a believer. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it can eventually cause some problems, division in the church. So we're just careful as to how we handle those areas.
0: Yeah, because I think it is pretty intentional that it's, it's not necessarily in our services. Would you kind of explain
1: yeah. why that is? Yeah, again... I think if it continues to exist to this day, Paul's given very clear instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that if somebody speaks, it should be done publicly, and then there must be interpretation. Because the struggle I have is this, is that the gifts of the Spirit are for the edification of the body. Not the edification of me or one person, they're always given for the edification of the body. Define so,
0: edification of the body.
1: Um, the building up of the body, yep. the, the, the spiritual growth of the body. Mm-hmm. So, my thing would be, you know, some people talk about a prayer language, well oh, this is just between me and God and I speak in tongues, and I just don't see any evidence that somehow that would be for the edification of the person. Uh, It's one of the reasons in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, when they spoke in tongues, they actually spoke a message of God to people in their language so that they could understand. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. When God would cause somebody to speak in a language maybe they didn't know, but in order to reach another person with the message of God, that makes some sense. Mm -hmm. But to just sort of speak in Babel that nobody understands, there's no interpretation, there would be no edification of the body... That, that's where I begin to struggle. Or somehow I do this because it edifies me when the gifts of the Spirit were always for the edification of the body. Just in some respects, I want to stay open, mm-hmm. but always causes me some internal controversy. And, you know, when Sunnybrook became sort of this seeker church, when we decided, listen, one of the things we're going to put like a stake in the ground is we believe lost people matter to God and therefore ought to matter to the church. And we redirected everything we did one of the things I wanted to say is people need to walk into church never having been and feel comfortable. And when that kind of thing is going on and there's some craziness and all of that that are associated with it, I think it can be a real turnoff, especially for non-believers. There's lack of understanding and those kinds of things. So I certainly think if that's going to be done, if it still exists today, should probably be done in an area that's all believers and uh, there would be interpretation, and there would be edification of the body.
0: I think it's important to say, especially on a subject like this, where people really vary in what they believe and think about it, is this would be what we would consider a non-essential. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit like the baptism issue where you'd say to yourself, listen, some hold infant baptism, some hold a believer baptism. We say, listen, this is a non-essential of the faith. The essential of the faith would be salvation comes through Christ alone. Essential of the faith would be the Bible is the Word of God. This is a non-essential. It's not salvationary in nature. So you're going to recognize different Christians. People are going to hold a different position, probably that come to Sunnybrook, than what I had just espoused. But there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's, there's different opinions in the body of Christ as long as it's a non-essential. You and I can disagree and still be brothers and sisters in Christ and do ministry together.
0: And there's health in that disagreement. Absolutely. The last thing you want is... Robots that all believe all of the same things and follow. I yep. mean, I think you hold to your essentials, but it's okay if there's different interpretation amongst.
1: Agreed. I just think it's always got to go back to the Word of God. Yep. I do. And, and I, I don't think we interpret Scripture in light of our experience. Mm-hmm. I think we look at Scripture and then mm-hmm. out of that determine whether experience is real or not yep. or what but, it might be.
0: Pres- professor that always says the Bible was written for you not to you and i think sometimes we get that a little backwards well thank you for joining us if this is a subject that you're not super familiar with this i would imagine was maybe an overwhelming conversation i would encourage you to read through acts read what paul has to say read in acts 2 where we first see all of this happening and you can maybe be a part of it there but we thank you for joining us today we will join you again next week if you were encouraged by today's talk Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.